evening, everyone. How's it going tonight? Sweet. Good. I'm knocking stuff down. I was going to wait. I was, I'm glad you guys responded because that would have been uh, another awkward start. Anyway, hey, I'm Lyle. I'm one of the pastors here. We just want to say if you're tuning in online, hello and welcome. For those of you here in the room, uh, welcome. It is one of our board members' birthdays today. So it's a great Sunday already. Colleen, happy birthday. She's so embarrassed, right? And she's like, I cannot believe that we're doing that. So make sure you say happy birthday. I'm going to make her stand up. Colleen, let's sing happy. I'm kidding. I won't really do that. I won't do that. She's like, I'm not standing up. So uh, she's a, a big blessing to this church. She's uh, the, the chair of our board right now. So anywho, make sure you tell her happy birthday, but uh, just welcome. If this is your first time here tonight, we want to say thanks for coming. Uh, we've got the 10 minute party. That's just for you in the back. It's not really 10 minutes long. It's just, we'll be back there after service for up to 10 minutes. So you can just quickly check in there, uh, get to see either Jack or me. We'll be back there. We'll get you uh, some uh, the, the best popcorn. That's this side of the Grand Canyon. I believe it's actually kettle corn. I misspoke. It's kettle corn. Even better. So when you get home tonight and you're throwing on 1883 or whatever it is people are watching these days, you'll even have the little munchies that you can chew on. So make sure you head back there. If you're at home, uh, you can actually pull out your phone and you can text us at 520-340-6868. That's 520-340-6868. You can send a message to us that just says hello, and that'll uh, get you a link and you tap the link, fill that out. It's the same thing with the connection card that we'll have you uh, fill out there at the 10 minute party in the back. So uh, would love to meet you and just let you know uh, how things are going tonight. We're going to sing a couple songs of worship. Uh, Jack's going to preach. We'll sing another song of worship and we'll be done. It's about an hour and 15 minutes long. So that's what to expect if you're brand new. Uh, for the rest of you, uh, maybe even if you're new and you're looking to get connected, uh, e-groups and discipleship groups, we've got the list in the back at the next steps table, but we uh, should be getting in touch with those of you who signed up for the discipleship groups this week. So if you don't hear anything within the next two weeks from me or somebody else, uh, hunt me down after service, hunt Jack down, and we'll make sure that you get connected to the group uh, that you're supposed to be connected with. But we'll be contacting people this week, which means you still have time to sign up. So if you're interested in that, make sure you see Amy at the Next Steps table afterwards. So let's all stand together. We're going to pray for the Church of the Week. Uh, and this is kind of special for me, North Swan Baptist Church. Uh, my good friend, Andrew Marquez. I went to college with Andrew, uh, better known as A-Mark for me. Um, and he called me this week. I hadn't actually talked to this guy in years. And uh, we prayed for North Swan several years ago, actually pretty shortly after their, their lead pastor of 30 years passed away. And that was Andrew's dad. And so Andrew and I actually kind of connected this week talking about how uh, he was one of my closest friends when my dad passed away. And so just the way that I was able to pray for him, that we as a church were praying for them. So uh, he just, he needs that prayer. He's in charge of a seminary. He's leading a church. He's got uh, multiple kids that he's a father uh, to that. And he wants to be a good dad, a good husband. So he definitely needs that prayer. But let's pray for them as we get started in service tonight. And let's just ask God to do something great tonight. So Lord, we come to you tonight expectant with hearts that are just open to receive whatever it is that you have for us. We ask that your Holy Spirit would just descend on this place and begin doing a work in each and every person's heart that's here in the room. There's something you wanna to say to every single one of us tonight. There's something individually that you have for us and we're here to experience the fullness of that. And so it's so easy to get caught up on things that might've happened earlier in the day or, or something that's really bothered us from uh, earlier in the week, but whatever it is, would this just be a moment, Lord, that we can breathe you in and breathe in your presence. And as we exhale and breathe out, that we would just breathe out all of those things that seek uh, to distract us from you, to distract us from experiencing something better. 
So God, would you be active tonight? Would you move in power in this place? We wanna lift up North Swan Baptist Church and we wanna thank you for the work that you've been doing through them. We pray for Andrew, uh, the pastor there, and we just ask for wisdom and discernment for him on how he uses his time, on how he can best maximize his time as he's providing leadership for a seminary, as he's providing leadership for this church. And even as he shared with me this week, knowing that the church is in this place of transition, uh, of he's kind of the next man up after his dad had been there for 30 years. And so they're trying to figure out what's next. Would you help him to see what that is? Help him to navigate this time with integrity in the way that you want him to as well. And we just pray your blessing over that church that you continue to increase um, their influence in the community, uh, whether that be through their services or through the school that's attached to the church. Uh, but God, we just ask that you continue the work that you're doing there in the same way that you're working here at Elements tonight. We love you, Lord. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Everyone said, amen. to praise I will give thanks oh I will give thanks when the roar that I hear is the voice of my fear trying to silence this hope in my heart I will give thanks oh yes I will and I will give thanks this song of thanksgiving my battle cry with joy is my weapon
Ten years from now we'll see Fruit our hands have sown Fate just like a seed The only way it
there's no more words left, God. All is left is hallelujah. Hallelujah. To have one and only King who is seated above all. Jesus. We worship you tonight. We bow before you, God. We acknowledge your beauty and your holiness. And we also acknowledge, God, that we need you. We need you to come, God, and fill all of spaces, all of void, heal of hurt. Come what the pain is and talk to us and give us comfort and strength and know that we overcome because you overcome. Thank you, Jesus, for the way you've shown us. You are the way, the truth, and the life. And we are so honored to worship you as one, as your body, as the body of Christ who is your bride. So God, tonight we ask that Holy Spirit, would you come down and would you speak? Would you open our hearts so we may listen? And every word that we hear would transform us and change us. As we look at you, God, may we change more. And may there be more of you in our lives and less of us. God, we love you and we pray all these things in your precious and beautiful name. And everyone said, Amen. You may be seated. Amen. It is great to worship together. And whether you're here in the house or watching from your house, uh, it is just awesome to gather. And so if you're new, uh, I'm Jack, one of the pastors here, and, and uh, we're going to look into God's Word here for a few minutes, and then we're going to end with a song, and then tonight we've got uh, child dedications at the end, so we're excited for that, a couple quick closing announcements. So that's kind of where we're going. Um, <clears throat> a year ago, I got a Traeger, and... There's a few I knew in here that are like that. So if some of you, if you don't know what that is, it's not a cool motorcycle. It's even better. Um, it, it's not a grill. It's, it's not an oven. It, it's like the best combination of everything um, and wood smoke. And it's just like you can cook things on it. And the, the fascinating thing is like I didn't get to like the bottom level, but I, I didn't get the one like you can operate with a drone and your phone and all. Like I didn't get that. But like middle, you know, Pro 34, that's what I got. And, and so like I've been learning how to like cook and be a chef and like just it's, again, it's not a grill, it, it, but it kind of is. And it kinda, Anyway, uh, we'll talk a lot later uh, about that. But the fascinating thing about it is uh, I'm a novice at it. So I'm a year in, but I still feel like a beginner. So I still feel, uh, and so they have an app, the Traeger app, and you open it up, and it has these, like, recipes on it, uh, and, and then it has these things called steps. I'm all about the steps, because you can pull up the step and it says, like, do this. And I go, I can do that. And, and so I do that. And then I go to, like, second step and I, I can go, I can do that. And so I do that. And, like, I've only messed up once. And that one was really, really bad. Like, I had to cook something else a couple days later just to redeem myself because it was, it was, like, we threw it out. It was that bad. Um, but, like, so I, I don't know how many of you uh, follow recipes or anyone ever started something new and what you're looking for is just the steps. And so whatever it may be that you started new, if you've ever felt like, how many of you have felt like a novice at something in your life? 
okay? So you remember that feeling, okay? So what do I do? So show me the steps. Show me like the, the protocol, the procedures, how you go about doing whatever it is that you're doing. And the, the truth is, that's a, that's a wonderful way to learn. And it's a great way to learn. Uh, but apprenticing under somebody is actually very different than just kind of following steps of a recipe or following steps on an app for a trigger uh, or whatever it may be. Like apprenticing other someone, there is steps involved and there's procedures and processes that you go through, but it's so much more relational than just, okay, here's the five steps, do these five things, and just you'll go wherever you need to go. And, and so... Tonight, as we kind of start this brand new series called Follow, I want to look at what Jesus said. Because I think sometimes in a religious context, now I know some of you may be brand new to church or maybe you're tuning in online and you're kind of new to faith. And it's just maybe some things have happened the last couple of years where you're like, there's got to be more to life than just what I'm experiencing. And so maybe you're kind of on what you would call your own spiritual journey, just trying to investigate faith. And I think it is incredibly awesome that you're not only here in the room or even watching online. I, I'm really proud of you for beginning to investigate your spiritual journey. Now, for many of those that are here in the room or watching online, maybe you've been in this spiritual journey for a long time, and this idea of following after Jesus is, well, okay, well, I've been doing this for a long time. And so you're kind of past the steps, and, and you're into something more, or maybe you're a follower of Jesus, and maybe for some of you, you've gotten to a place where you're like, but. Ah, I kind of know what to do. I kind of know what that is. And so maybe you've stopped following in some ways because you, you almost felt like you've arrived. And can I just remind us, as followers of Jesus, this side of heaven, we don't ever arrive. So there's always a next step with us. And there will be a tension that we all will have to navigate. Is Jesus is following after Jesus just like these programmed steps that I just do A, B, C, D, and, and it grows my faith? And I would say, yes, there's part of that. Uh, but it's so much more like following an apprentice or an apprenticing under someone. Like if you've ever, some of you have been to trade schools and like they teach you things and there's processes, but there's, there's highly relational in it. And I think sometimes, uh, the longer we've been in church, uh, the longer that religiosity has maybe been a part of the backstory of your life, uh, we can get lost in the steps and miss the relationship. See, what's radically different about Jesus versus maybe other religions that are out there or, or just different religiosity approaches or philosophies to life is Jesus had a very simple invite to people. It was two words, follow me. Like, no matter who they were, rich, poor, uh, if they were religious people, if they were non-religious people, wherever they were in the caste system of the society in which they lived and they treaded in kind of the backstory of their life, he would simply say, follow me. And he would have them take a step in that. And tonight, uh, if you have your Bible, uh, I want you to go to Matthew chapter 9. Or if you have the app, you can open up and go down to sermon notes and follow along with all the notes in there. Uh, but in Matthew chapter 9, we're going to see one of these early stories, these encounters. And it's actually written from Matthew's point of view. Matthew is the author of the book called 
Matthew, see how that works? Okay, so like he is writing this story about his life, his encounter with Jesus. This is kind of the biography about Jesus. The gospel account of Matthew is Matthew's account of like, here's what I went through. Here's everything. And in Matthew chapter 9, he introduces himself into the story, which is fascinating. And into this story, he says, listen, here's how it began with me. Here's how the story of Jesus and me falling after him, here's how it all started. And we're going to get to peer into that a little bit. And I want to draw some applications from it at the end that I think help all of us, no matter where you might be in your spiritual journey. Again, maybe you've been following Jesus for a long, long time. And I want to encourage you, friend, don't stop following. Don't settle. Don't get into a place where you just coast because you don't arrive this side of heaven. There's always a next step for you. Maybe you're here and, and just bravely, you're like, I'm just trying to figure out this religion thing. And I'm just, there's something about this Jesus guy and, and I don't know fully what it is yet. Then tonight might be one of your favorite nights because you're actually going to peer in on a story of Matthew that began very much like you very much where you are. And I think you'll be enticed to maybe figure out what your next step is in that part of the journey. Uh, we talk about uh, around here that following after Jesus is really uh, a, a $10 church word called discipleship, okay? And discipleship is about following after Jesus, really having that become an anchor of your life. We define it this way. Disciple is someone who knows and follows Jesus, is becoming like Jesus, and is committed to the mission of Jesus. Uh, that's so much deeper and more profound than just, okay, follow Jesus A, B, C, D. And these four simple steps, because it's different for you, it's different for me. This is an extremely relational reality of what Jesus invites us into. In fact, when Jesus shows up on the scene, he, he radically redefines religion. See, for religion, for a lot of people, a Jewish context understood, okay, well, here's the top 10 commandments, like you got to obey those, don't mess those up. And, these, and they had turned it into like 600 plus laws that they had to follow. And so there were 600 plus steps that you had to do in order to grow in your relationship. And Jesus kind of redefines it all. And he says, no, no, like your relationship with God is like this father and child relationship. Can we just identify that as a highly relational reality? He said this, it's like a vine and the branches. I'm the vine, you're the branches. A branch never says to the vine, hey, do this, 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 and this. No, a branch just abides in the vine. The vine is what supplies the branch with what it needs. It's like a shepherd in a sheep. Now, we may not understand that analogy because we don't, you know, none of us here are shepherds, I don't think. Uh, and like, we're not doing that, but in, in a lot of ways, they, in the first century, would have understood that context, that the shepherd is the one who lays down his life for the sheep, does everything for the sheep. Sheep are dumb. I don't know if you know that. They're dumb. We're equated to dumb animals. Okay, so you just got to deal with that because that's what the scriptures say. Uh, and this reality that you may think you're super smart, but maybe not all that in a bag of chips. Uh, and so this idea of sheep and, and that they are dependent upon their shepherd and, and Jesus just begins to redefine this idea that is highly relational. Jesus is the first one in history that says you can call God Father and not like a glorified example of your father because that's imperfect, there isn't any perfect father. This is like the perfection of what fathers should be. That's God for you, and he wants to relate to you that way. 
And, and so this invitation is super relational in that. And Matthew begins to kind of take a step in that direction. Here's how it unfolds. Matthew chapter 9, verse 9. Jesus went on from there, so he's kind of traveling. He's got this posse that is behind him. He's not formally introduced these people called disciples yet, but he's got people that are following after him because he is a rabbi, and a rabbi in the first century had a following around them, and he was teaching them, here's how you understand the Torah, here's how you understand God, and he had a kind of a rule of life. Here's what a yoke is what they would call it. My yoke is easy, my burden is light, Jesus said, and these people are following after him. Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew, who's the author of this book, just a reminder. Okay, it's him. So he sees him sitting at a tax collector's booth. Why? Take a wild guess why he's sitting at a tax collector's booth. Because he's a tax collector. Now that should set off your alarm bells if you were Jewish in that context in that century. So let me just kind of refresh your brain if you're kind of new to this. If you're a tax collector, you are an evil dude. You're scum. That's how people see you. Like there are sinners and then there's tax collectors. You have your own category. That's how society sees you in that moment. Like, they're sinners, the broken people, the bad people, and then you're a step below them. Why? Because you're a traitor. See how Rome collected, uh, Rome's the occupying authority of the day, and how they collected taxes. They would go into a mostly kind of Judean area where we're reading about, and, and they would hire people, uh, the Jewish people, to say, listen, I need you to collect the taxes from your people. There's a pole tax, there's a bridge tax, there's food tax, there's all these kind of taxes. We don't understand tax in our world, but like there's taxes all over the place there, right? So they have to collect these taxes. And if I hire you to do it, well then you can get whatever you want, but Rome gets 20%, what, let's say it is, okay? Whatever Rome gets, they need to get. Otherwise, you're gonna get God, okay? So like Rome's gotta get what they gotta get. Now, if you wanna get more than that, go right ahead. We don't care. So let's say uh, Matthew's got to collect 20% of taxes to give over to Rome. Maybe he's collecting 32%, and he's pocketing 12%. And so you become a traitor to your own people, and, and that's how you are doing the biz of the day. And so you're despised, you're hated, you're the scum. And Jesus walks up to him, and he could have said a lot of different things. If you have the opportunity to walk up to maybe people in our day and age that you would identify and say, that's kind of the lowest of the low. There's, we could put a category to it if we wanted to. But think in your mind. You could walk up and say, I bet your mom's really proud of you. Jesus could have said that, which would have been a date. But he doesn't say that. In fact, he walks up to Matthew and he says, hey, follow me which had to set Peter off. Whoa, 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 whoa. Wait a minute. The, you, you told me to follow you. I'm following you. Wait, this follow me thing is like for anybody? Oh, I thought I was special. I thought I had it. Because that's what you wanted with a rabbi. Rabbis were a big deal in that day and age. And so they were kind of the rock stars of the day. You wanted to be in that group, that posse that would follow after a rabbi. And all of a sudden, he's asking the scum of the earth that you would label. No, no, no. no he doesn't make the cut. 
What? He makes the cut? And Matthew, in that moment, Matthew, I want you to follow me, which is more than just walk with me down the street, okay? This is, hey, I want you to be around me and around our group that's following, around in our posse. I want you to be in this community. And as we go, we'll figure things out. Matthew, I want you to follow me. And Matthew takes him up on his offer. And the very first place he goes, the very next verse, is they go to Matthew's house. You know what Jesus didn't say? Hey, Matthew, listen, um, I want you to be part of my group, but you're kind of scumbag, okay? So here's what I need you to do. I need you to renounce a few things. I need you to do these checklists of things and get back with me in about three weeks if you think you can make the cut and be a part of my group. He didn't say that. He met Matthew right where he was and said, follow me. Two words. At the entrance level to falling after Jesus is low as it should be. See, religion gets to a weird place when it starts putting hurdles in front of people that they've got to jump over or hoops they've got to jump through in order to be part of this Jesus movement. The Jesus movement is, no, no, follow me. In fact, uh, we're not going to make it too hard. We're going to go to your house. That's what he says. It's incredible. And so he begins to, to go to his house. You can kind of, there, follow me. Jesus got up, or Matthew got up. He followed him. Jesus was a rabbi. He's saying, hey, I want you to walk with me, go with me. Matthew follows him. Okay, they go. Now he's hanging around Peter. I'm sure Peter and James and John, they're like, well, I don't understand. I don't want to be with this. He's got tax collector cooties. <sighs> Why is he in our group? There's all these questions. There would have been tension because this doesn't make sense. There seems like there has to be an entrance level. It seems like there has to be things or hoops or hurdles that people have got to get through. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, the very next verse, the very next verse, you're, we're going to go to your house, Matthew. This is where we're going to go. Matthew, I want you to invite people to your house. Who does Matthew know? He's a scumbag. Do you know who he knows? other tax collectors, other riffraff, sinners of the day, people who are the outs, outcast of the day. That's who gets invited to this party where Jesus is hanging out. Now, who also is following after Jesus is the Pharisees, the religious leaders of the day. Now, they're kind of shadowing after Jesus because they get kind of, they're skeptics of what's going on and they're kind of peering in and looking. And that's what you're going to begin to see in the rest of the story that, Jesus, that Matthew is telling us about Jesus and this early encounter that he had with him as he follows after him, goes to the house and it's just kind of that you can imagine kind of the, the lowest of the low of society. But it's Matthew's friends, it's who he knows, it's who would actually hang around him and they come to the party and what's fascinating is Jesus is at the party. And from a religious leader perspective, they're looking in and going, Jesus, I, I don't understand. You're, you're like us. Like, you believe the law like we do, and yet you're hanging out with these people, they would probably say. I mean, I'm glad that in humanity we have matured to the point that we don't refer to people as these people anymore. Sarcasm. 
Jesus was extraordinarily comfortable with people who were nothing like him. And apparently, when you read through the gospel accounts, if you could get rid of all the, the strippings of religiosity that gets tagged onto things, if you just read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, just here's the early gospel accounts of Jesus, the encounters of what he did and what he was about. Apparently, people who were nothing like Jesus actually liked Jesus. And I wonder if maybe the church should get back to that kind of reputation. I wonder if me, if I, if you should get back to having that kind of rep because it seemed to be Jesus' rep. That even non-religious people are there. It's a pretty powerful thought to think about. When the Pharisees saw this, they're kind of on the outside of this party looking in. They begin to ask, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? We're confused. He, he's a rabbi. He's a holy man. We're holy people. He's a law keeper. We're law keepers. He, we know he worships God. We worship God. Why does he have so much in common with us and yet we're not invited in? Why is it he chooses people that are nothing like him instead of the people that are kind of like him? They were confused by Jesus. There's kind of a, a disturbance in the force, if you will of what's playing out and what's going. This is a strange story, and Jesus kind of senses this reality, this tension that's building, and so he responds to this question that he knows is being asked of his other disciples, because maybe even some of those disciples aren't in the full party. Maybe they're even on the outskirts by the punch bowl, kind of trying to figure everything out. On hearing this, Jesus said, verse 12, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick which is kind of interesting. You ever made a dig at your friend where they're like, hey, ouch, that kind of hurts, but it's kind of true? That's actually what's happening in this moment. It's not the healthy who need a doctor, it's the sick. Matthew might have been feeling like, whoa, 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 you're at my house. Are you calling me sick? Yeah, you're right. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty messed up. See, the issue that a lot of people have with religion per se is that when people get to a place where they realize or they think they realize that they're no longer sick, they get to a place where like, nah, I don't need God or I don't need a savior because I've got it all together. Instead of getting to the place of realizing, no, 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 we all are pretty broken, if we're honest. In fact, if it was just you and me in a coffee shop and we could talk real life, I bet you'd hear me say, man, there's still some places in me that need a whole lot of fixing. And I need Jesus more now, 30 years in, than I did even 30 years ago. I've been gifted a lot, and God's changed me a lot but there's even some deeper areas in me that I think he's still wanting to change. And when we get in a struggle is when we stop thinking there's another step for us or there's more work that God wants to be at work in our lives. But go and learn what this means, Jesus said, quoting back from uh, Hosea. But go and learn what this means. I, deserve, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I've not come to call the righteous, those who think they have it all together. I've come to call sinners. I've come to call sinners. I've come to call. 
I've come to call. I've come to call those who realize I'm not all that in a bag of chips. I'm not as far along as I think I might have been. I'm not the one who can save myself. Jesus is saying, here's my mission. I've come for those who realize that there is a need for me and that they don't have it all together. That maybe they don't believe all the right things or behave all the right ways and maybe in a way they have come to a place where they recognize their need for a savior. Friends, we dare not become a church that is content to gather together and believe the right things and behave the right ways and stop there. Because if we do, we will find ourselves standing outside the very room that Jesus inhabits as he comes to call the sick and the sinners and those who know they need something more, who need a savior. Because the truth is, you need one, and I do too. And if we ever get to the place where we think we don't need him anymore, woe to us. That's the challenge. Is that hard truth to hear sometimes? Yeah, no one likes to hear that. But you're valuable enough that Jesus came on a search and rescue mission for you. He actually thought you were worth saving. That's the beauty of this. That's the invitation of this. See, it's not enough to believe the right things and behave the right way in your e-group or in our church or with a group of Christians. If we become content with just that, then we are missing the mission of what Jesus is about. See, if you become content with that and you stall out there, then really you just begin to turn and drift into a Pharisee. And you eventually drift toward judgmentalism and in casting stones at others. Because here's the Pharisee's message. Change, and then you can become like us. You gotta change, and then you can become a part of our group. And Jesus flipped that whole thing upside down when he showed up and said, no, no, you come follow. You follow me, and we'll change along the way. You follow me. And change will happen along the way. That's 180 degrees different than the context of what people were walking into in the religious context of the day. Matthew, you come follow me. Matthew, I'm not asking you to have a litmus test. I'm not asking you to take three weeks to figure out and check all the boxes that you think. I know you'd say no to that. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to follow me to your house. Let's go to your house, Matthew. Let's throw a party with your friends, the people you know. Let's start there. And Matthew says, yeah, I want in on that. I don't even know what all this is yet. I'm not even sure I totally understand who you are yet. But there's something about you that you actually want me? And he begins to take a step. You always have a next step. Here's a couple takeaways for us in today. Being a sinner does not disqualify you. It's actually a prerequisite to following Jesus. It doesn't disqualify you from following Jesus. It's actually a prerequisite. 
Because it's the people who think they don't have any sin that become the religious or kind of the, the ones who push back and keep Jesus at arm's length. It's the ones who begin to understand, yeah, yeah, you're, you're right. I'm not all that. I'm not, there's a broken pieces in me all over. And I think I need something more. I've been trying to work all this out on my own and I'm just frustrated and I'm tired and I'm exhausted and there's got to be something more. It's people who get there that begin to realize that Jesus has something for them. It's the left, less perfect people that actually have a greater uh, candidacy and capacity to following after Jesus. And Jesus says to Matthew, listen, I want you to follow me, and I'm not gonna make you jump over hoops or over the hurdles. Uh, let's just go to your house. Let's just take that step. Number two, being an unbeliever doesn't disqualify you. Being someone who is, okay, preacher guy, I get it. Uh, you want me to follow Jesus, but I'm not even sure I believe in him. I'm not even sure I get this, okay, divine God thing. I don't know if I understand that. Fine. You don't have to be a believer to follow in your next step after Jesus. Uh, Jesus would say to you, uh, just follow me. See, the earliest followers of Jesus the disciples, those who were spending time with him, those who understood him, do you know they weren't even convinced he was who he was? In fact, many of them. There's one of them we gave a nickname to called Doubting Thomas. Jesus got back up from the dead. Nah, nah, no way. That didn't happen. Until Jesus met Thomas in his doubt and said, put your hands here. See, I've come for you, Thomas. That didn't happen in an instant. Thomas spent three years around Jesus. That's why when you read the gospel accounts in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, two years in, you'll see it, and, they, and you'll see this little phrase, and they began to believe, or they believed Jesus. What have they been doing for two years? Struggling to believe. Trying to put the pieces together. When a dead guy gets back up, you have no context for that. They were still struggling. Jesus ascends back into heaven and it said some believed, which meant some didn't. What? Yeah, that's in your Bible. This reality of trying to figure this out and trying to walk and understand who Jesus is, it's not simple. It's not complex, but it's challenging. And you may be on your faith journey where you're like, I don't know if I believe all that. That's fine. I think what Jesus would say to you, you don't have to be a believer to take a step. But would you follow me in the next step? Jesus had so many things to say about life, about how relationships should work, about how finances should work, about how, uh, how do you get the best out of life. What if you just took some of the simple things that Jesus said and just try it? Just try it. Maybe some of the simple teachings that he had. Maybe you're not totally convinced yet he is who he says he is, that he's a son of God, that he came to save your life. But there's something about Jesus that's changed all of history. What if you just took a step and said, okay, here's a small teaching of Jesus. I'm just gonna, I'm gonna test drive this. What if you just test drive your next step with him? I think Jesus would say, I'll take that. Let's just go to your house. We're not going to go on a mission trip. Let's just go to your house.
Let's just take the next step. You don't have to be a full believer in that. There were so many of the earliest believers who finally the, the switch clicked as Jesus got back up in the resurrection, where they're like, oh, now we believe. Which, if honestly, if you were there and I was there, it would be like, oh, okay, well, that definitely, yeah, okay, I get it now. Like, that's a big deal. Thirdly, actively following forces me to focus on where I am rather than where you are not. This is about actively following after Jesus. If you're a Christian and you are not actively seeking and asking Jesus, what is my next step that you want me to deal with and to move forward in, then you so easily, if you stall out, can begin to drift toward being more like a Pharisee, where it just becomes judgmentalism to the people around you. They're not doing the rules. They're not doing the steps, Jesus. I've done the steps. <laughs> and Jesus might say to you and to me, yeah, yeah, you did all the steps, and then you regressed about 14 steps, and then we went forward a little bit more, and then you went back a little bit more, and, and see, you're on a journey with me, so you just follow your next step. You just focus on you, and let me take care of them. See, when we begin drifting, just staring at other people instead of focusing on our next steps, if I stay aware of my responsibility and my next steps, I don't have time to judge your missteps because I'm focused on mine. None of us ever arrive the side of heaven. And maybe you could say it this way. The more aware I am of the work God has yet to do in me, the less critical I am of the work God has yet to do in you. This is about your next step. It doesn't mean we can't call a spade a spade. But it, it means I don't live my life to do that. What I'm living my life is to ask the simple question, am I actively, intentionally following Jesus into my next step? Because that's what Jesus asked his people to do. Way back then, and tomorrow, and today. I want you to follow me. And let's take your next step in that. So, that's where we want to go the next few weeks together, is no matter where you might be on your spiritual journey, whether you're in here and you're just searching for something. Man, I'm so stoked you're here. I'm so stoked that you're watching online. Would you just, whis just listen for the whisper of God for your next step? For those of you who've been following Jesus for a long time, friend, you're not done. The phrase, if you're not dead, you're not done. You've got a next step that God wants to call you into and call you forward into. That's the reality. And so maybe the best question we can ask ourselves every day is, am I actively, intentionally engaged in the process of following Jesus into my next step? Jesus, today's your day. Would you help me to follow you into my next step? Would you give me eyes to see and ears to hear? See, Jesus said, I'm the good shepherd. My sheep, they know my voice. When I speak, they follow me. That's not a step, friend. That's a relational invitation. That's a relational call and whisper that God's gonna have those conversations with you. And may you have them often, daily, weekly, May you have ears to hear 
and eyes to see that he's calling you. He's the vine, you're the branch. Just abide in him. It's relational in its context. It's not follow these steps. It's follow his voice, his leading, his leaning, his twinge. When he says, hey, whoa, whoa, how you reacted there? This was me two weeks ago. How you reacted right there? No bueno. You deserve better. I've got better for you. So we got to work on that. Okay. Man, it's hard work sometimes to say yes to that next step. But it is the best for you. And so, Father, as we worship, as we kind of steer toward the end of our service, as we begin to launch into this series the next few weeks, Jesus, I thank you that you define discipleship in such a relational way that it's just following you into our next steps. I pray that we would be a people. No matter where we might be in our spiritual journey, whether we're just beginning to to scratch the surface and investigate things, you have a step for us. Whether we've been walking with you for a long time, you have a step for us. And so would you in the next few weeks just give us ears to hear to hear your voice, that you're a good shepherd who calls to your sheep, hey, follow me here. Maybe it's a habit that we need to let go of. Maybe it's a habit that we need to begin. Maybe it's a relationship that you need to guide us into repairing. Maybe it's some forgiveness or some shame that we need to let go of, that we've let define us for way too long instead of what you say about us. And our identity coming from you and not that thing Maybe it's a challenge step where you're going to shake us a little bit. You're going to call us forward into some, maybe some tough stuff, but it's for our best and for our betterment. Maybe it's stepping forward into some of the comfort that you long to give us, that we've been keeping you at arm's length because we think we could do it all on our own, or we could solve that problem by ourselves. And you say, no, friend, I've got a better way. So each one of us here dialed in, we have a next step. So Jesus, I pray that you would open our hearts, the ear of our soul, to hear your whisper this week. And that we would have the courage, much like Matthew at the very beginning, say, I don't know fully, but I'm gonna take the next step. You can
invitation to a next step 
is for each and every single one of us. If you're here in the house, you can be seated. A couple of quick things. Just uh, we do giving around here a little bit different. We don't pass a plate, but we got boxes in the back. A lot of folks give online. If you are a volunteer with us, I really want to hang out with you next Saturday at our volunteer appreciation event. We want to hang out together. You should have gotten two emails from us. One last Tuesday was the latest one. If you could RSVP, that's all I'm going to tell you about it. Look at your email. It's going to be fun. We're going to have a blast. Uh, we'd love to hang out with you next Saturday. So see your email uh, and RSVP. And something coming up. I've been getting to hang out with these guys. And uh, we've got some dudes days coming up. So why don't you talk about it? So uh, how's it going, everybody? So my name is Morgan. Um, and we're going to do a couple of dudes days. So I've got a couple of questions or several questions for you. Um, how many people here like to hit golf balls? Even though you're terrible at it, they don't go very far. It doesn't matter. If you like to hit golf balls, put your hands up. Keep them up. I do. I do. All right. Perfect. How many people here like to throw axes at aggressively stagnant, inanimate pieces of wood? All right. I do. More people. Fantastic. How many people like to target shoot? Even better, how many people like to target shoot moving objects? Fantastic. Not, not people. So then I expect. Yeah, pe objects, not okay, people. objects, objects, not people. All right, so I expect all to see all of you guys here. So this is for the, the men in the audience. We have um, what's called Dudes Days coming up. The first one's going to be at Top Golf, okay? Um, and we'd like people to get together. It's a chance for us to participate in community fellowship. Um, you can invite friends, bring them there. Um, it'll be on March 12th from two to four. So we can kind of we want to get a, a feel for how many people are going to come. So we're gonna do reservations and I'll have uh, Nigel talk about kind of the logistics of that. Thank you. So to sign up for this, you're gonna go into the Elements app, click on the events. From there, go to the registration where it says Dude State. From there, you'll be able to register. Registration is $15. It is due when you sign up. Food and drink are not included, so save some extra money for that. When you sign up again, you will, it will let us know how many people are coming so that way we can get bays right next to each other rather than spread out. And so, um, yeah, feel free to invite any friends. I'm going to be there. I'm inviting my coworkers. It's going to be a good time. Hope to see you there. Sweet. All right. So I just, I just wanted to make sure that, you know, people sign up. Come and see Nigel or myself. We can sign up for it. Um, don't be afraid. I will be the absolute worst person there. So you'll all feel better about being better. <laughs> so show up. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Appreciate you. Oh. And tonight... We have another round of child dedications that we want to celebrate. So the Warren Stapp family. And here is Parker. Hello, Parker. And then the Donderwitzes. And Andrew. Hi, Andrew. Um, I will say Andrew gets full credit because he watched a sermon on the day he was born from the hospital. So. Uh, I got sent a picture, so I just want to say he is the one who's watched like from the, the very get-go. All of you, you don't get that claim to fame. Andrew gets that claim to fame. Uh, and let's see, Parker, we have your life verse here. You love the drummers already. Uh-oh. <laughs> okay. Proverbs 3:17. Her ways are pleasant ways, and all her paths are peace. May that be with you. And Andrew, Joshua 1:9. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. 
We love you, buddy. So, Karen and David, Jen and Matt, we are ecstatic to be able to church, to rally around you as a family. We know parenting's tough. Can I get an amen? amen. It's tough. Uh, it's a challenge, but it's an incredible gift. And uh, you all do an incredible job as parents, and we want to wish you all the best. We want to pray for you tonight. And so baby dedications, child dedications, are just kind of a part of the story of Scripture. We see Jesus was dedicated early on. We see the psalmist talk about children being a gift from the Lord. And so tonight, as a church, we just want to rally around them again. We know spiritual truths are passed on intentionally, not accidentally. Are they? are they? Um, They're passed on intentionally. And so as you intentionally invest in your kids, your family, uh, as we try to do our best to intentionally invest, uh, may you come to know Jesus and come to know him for all of your life. So parents, by coming forward before God and his people, do you hereby declare your desire to dedicate yourselves and Parker and Andrew to the Lord, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind, to pass on his truth uh, and his love to them? If so, would you respond, we do? We do. Awesome. And now, church, I'm going to ask you to stand up because part of this is your deal as well. May you, are you saying yes? Do you vow with God's help to be faithful in your calling as members of the body of this, this body of Christ, to help these parents to be faithful to God, to help teach and train their child in ways of the Lord that they might come to trust him as the Savior and Lord, to live healthy and whole through his grace? If you accept that responsibility, would you respond by saying, we do? We do. Would you pray with me? Father, we pray your absolute best blessing over Andrew and Karen and David, and we absolute best blessing over Jen and Matt and Parker. We love them so much. We thank you for the ways that you've been at work in their lives. We pray that your spirit would rest upon them, give them wisdom to make the decisions they gotta make as parents. And would you give them incredible leverage into their lives of their little ones. May you allow us as a church to come alongside and champion them. May they come to know you, Jesus, as their Lord and Savior early on and follow you all the days of their life. May your blessing rest upon them simply because these are a couple of your favorite families. We pray in Jesus' precious name. And everyone said, amen. Amen. So we love you all. Have a great, great week.